Stand by to launch FanStream Sports. Three, two, one. Let's start. Hello, sports fans. Welcome to FanStream Sports. Nothing, nothing but pure sports. All right, folks, it's the Jeff Dudoff Show. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Tito Jeff Dudoff. Follow me on Twitter at FitHappens. FanStream Sports powered by the DSP Media Broadcast Network. Thanks so much for tuning in. A lot to get into today. Um, I want to start off talking about the NFL. The playoffs get underway this weekend. And um, it's the, I guess they call it what, the super wild card round is what they refer to it as. But um, it is uh, six games, two on Saturday, three on Sunday, one on Monday. And it's interesting, the um, the mix of quarterbacks involved in this. Uh, we have um, some very quarterbacks we'd expect to be in the playoffs this time, or at least playing in the playoffs right now. I'll start off on that. Uh, the first game on Saturday, Seattle taking on San Francisco. Seattle's got Geno Smith there, San Francisco with Brock Purdy, the third string quarterback there. Geno Smith, who actually started the season, uh, the preseason in a quarterback battle with Drew Locke uh, for the uh, Seattle Seahawks. And um, he's had a very good year. He's, he, revitalized his career, I guess, uh, revitalized his value a little bit. We'll see what the Seahawks want to do going forward. If they want to give him a long-term deal. I don't think they'll give him more than a year or two on a deal. And they still will probably be looking for the quarterback of the future. It's hard to believe in Geno Smith uh, based on what he did this year. When you compare it to what his past looked like, he has too much, um, uh, too many seasons where he disappointed too many games where he was not great. He's been great this year. Uh, good this year, very better than average this year. Let's put it that way. He's been a, a good quarterback for the Seahawks this year. I'm not sure if I'm if I'm the Seahawks. So I want to invest in that long term. I think I'd probably still want to look for a younger quarterback of the future. And the Seahawks have a chance to get one this year um, with the way the draft is going to unfold. They'll have a shot if they want to do it. We'll see what they do. And then in San Francisco, by the way, with this game here, the fact that you've got this quarterback matchup is a testament, I think, to the coaches on each squad. When you got Kyle Shanahan there in San Francisco rolling out Brock Purdy, uh, you know, not Trey Lance, who's going to be the starter this year, not Jimmy Garoppolo, who they were going to trade or release, but the third guy, the Mr. Relevant, Brock Purdy, going against Geno Smith says a lot about Kyle Shanahan and a lot about uh, what Pete Carroll's been able to do in Seattle. Uh, I I think San Francisco's defense will be obviously the, the, the difference in this game. I think San Francisco's defense will um, do a decent job of uh, containing Geno Smith. I think that will be the difference. I think San Francisco wins this game rather easily, probably by double digits, but that game is the Saturday afternoon game. Then Saturday evening, 8-15, Los Angeles, uh, the Chargers are taking on Jacksonville on the road. Jaguars, Trevor Lawrence, and another unexpected quarterback playing in the playoffs this season. Just because if you look at where Jacksonville was a year ago, after the Urban Meyer debacle and how bad the uh, the Jags looked and how dysfunctional the organization and the culture and all that. Doug Peterson's done a fantastic job getting this team back on track, and Trevor Lawrence having a great year. Uh, Travis Etienne being in there helps out as well. And think about this now. Next year, they'll get Calvin Ridley out there on the field as well if he gets reinstated by the NFL. That'll be a huge addition to this offense, understated. Um, and it's a very winnable game for them in the first round. Playing at home against Los Angeles. The Chargers, Justin Herbert, looks like Mike Williams is going to play. Um, it's Jacksonville's got a huge coaching edge in this one. And Brendan Staley for the Chargers, although if they wouldn't have made the playoffs, he'd be gone for sure. He would have been gone on Black Monday if they didn't make the playoffs. I still think if they lose this, he could be gone. He has mismanaged this team in too many games. Early on in the season playing Justin Herbert when he really had no business playing with the rib injury. And then playing starters last week 
when it wasn't necessary. They were locked into their spot. Mike Williams gets hurt. Could have been a lot worse. He lucked out there. But I don't think Brendan Staley is the right coach for this team. And if I'm Sean Payton, this is the place I want to go. But um, it's a real toss-up game for me. I think the Chargers win, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if Jacksonville pulls this one out. But that'll be a fun game on Saturday night. Then we go into Sunday. And the early game with Miami at Buffalo. And, you know, Miami's down to their third-string quarterback right now. This is going to be a – I think Buffalo rolls in this game. Double-digit win for them in this one as well. Buffalo is um, playing really good football right now. And they're playing inspired football. They're playing at home against Miami. I think this game is going to be a blowout win for Buffalo. The uh, Giants are at Minnesota. Should be a fun game to watch here as well. Uh, the Giants' secondary is not good. I expect the Vikings to really try to push the ball through the air. And I think you'll see big games out of Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson specifically in this game. I think the Vikings end up winning it. Should be a good game, though. The Giants play with a lot of confidence with Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley. And it's been a great season for the Giants to get to this point. But I think Minnesota wins this game. That's the 4.30 game Eastern time on uh, Sunday. Sunday night game, uh, Baltimore's at Cincinnati. And Baltimore, we're not sure who's going to center for them. Tyler Huntley's taking some snaps. Not sure if we'll be Lamar Jackson already tweeted out he's not playing. His knee is still unstable so uh the Bengals catch out uh, they catch a bit of a break there from the standpoint of that they don't have to face Lamar Jackson but uh the Bengals uh, they, they've got a real swagger to them they've got a real cocky confidence to them especially when they're at home I think Cincinnati wins this game I know that Baltimore's going to run in there with J.K. Dobbins and try to uh they kept him out of the game last week and tried to use him to try to get him I'm guessing 20 to 25 touches when it's all said and done I just think Cincinnati is too strong I know they're losing two they have two offensive line starters that are out. That will be a factor, but I think as long as Burrow gets enough time, and I think he will, with the receiving weapons he's got, Samaje P. Ryan and Mixon both out of the backfield. Uh, the Bengals, like I said, they're playing with a real confidence, a real swagger right now. They just beat the Ravens this past weekend, so I expect the Bengals to win to that one. Then we get to the Monday night game, the, uh, the capper for the weekend, and that'll be Dallas at Tampa Bay. And it'll be interesting to see if, you know, how bad Dallas looked against Washington last week. If they look anywhere near that bad, they have no shot in this game against Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay playing at home, Tom Brady. We're never sure if it's Brady's last game. There's always that factor, that part of it you play into it. I think Mike McCarthy's coaching for his job in Dallas. I do believe that if Dallas loses this game, I know Jerry Jones came out and he said, oh, his job is safe. He also said his, his job uh, will not be dependent on the outcome of this game. I think that's bogus. I think it's BS. I think that if Dallas loses this game to Tampa Bay, um, even if it's a close game, I think no matter what, if they lose this game, McCarthy's either fired or resigns, and Sean Payton will be on the very, very short list uh, for Jerry Jones there. Now, unless Sean Payton's not available, let's put it this way. I think McCarthy's gone if Sean Payton's an option. If Sean Payton is not an option, if Payton takes the Broncos' job or says, I want the Chargers' job instead or whatever, if Payton does that, then I think McCarthy gets another year. But if Peyton is available and says to Jerry Jones, you know what, um, I'd really consider coming to Dallas, then I think it gets done. Uh, McCarthy's gone with a loss to Tampa Bay. And then we have to hear more Tom Brady hype for a week or so um, <laughs> leading into the next game um, and see what, uh, you know, with the, oh, is this his last game? Um, you know, Brady magic in the postseason, da 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 Anyway, uh, also, the if the Bills and Chiefs meet – in the AFC championship game, it was determined uh, that it'd be a neutral site game. And they settled on this. They did this now. And they announced it. I'm, I, I'm not happy with how they did this because Buffalo and Kansas City 
in January. You're talking like cold, wind, uh, elements, you know, and I, I'm a big fan of seeing elements in football. I don't like all the domes. I don't like all the warm weather stuff. In football, I want to see the players' breath in the playoffs. I want to see them uh, – I want to see them cold out there. I want to see wind. I want to see snow, rain, sleet, whatever. And I want to see the players really having to battle through elements. So I was hoping that they would maybe put the game in, say, Pittsburgh would be a good spot. But somewhere where there would be an outdoor venue that didn't have weather issues, that could have weather issues potentially. And what they've done instead – is they've decided it's going to be in Atlanta. If the Bills and Chiefs play in the AFC Championship game, it will be set in Atlanta. And in the Dome, uh, the Buckeyes just got done playing there in the Peach Bowl um, against Georgia. I, I I hate Dome football. I really do. But the NFL came out and announced that that would be the neutral site, um, that if the Bills and Chiefs both make it to the championship game, that's where they will play in Atlanta uh, in the Georgia Dome. Uh, Mercedes-Benz Dome, I guess. I think what it is now. Uh, Sean McVay. For the Rams. And after winning the Super Bowl last year, and the Rams went all in on that Super Bowl last year, uh, head coach for the Rams, Sean McVay, uh, they, you know, they, they traded a lot of future assets. They uh, signed contracts that would be team-friendly for right now, but they're going to have to pay the piper down the road. And they made moves for veteran guys who don't have a long shelf life, knowing they have to pay them beyond uh, when they're, you know, productive on the field. And after last year, there's always talk about Amazon was pursuing Sean McVay to take the role, um, you know, that, that Kirk Herbstreet now has with Amazon as far as on the Thursday night football, like a lot of money being thrown around to get the young Sean McVay into that. McVay rejected those overtures and um, is uh, inside to stay with the Rams. This year has been a disaster for the Rams. They had the worst record of a, a defending Super Bowl champion, I believe. And injuries to Stafford, injuries to Cooper Cup. The running game couldn't get going. Um, the, they, they traded for Allen Robinson. That didn't work out. They When they got Allen Robinson from the Bears, that wasn't a great te- deal. Aaron Donald got a year older. So all these things contributed to a really disappointing year for the Los Angeles Rams. And there's rumblings again that McVay might look to the TV world or look to take a year off regardless. But McVay has not said what he's going to do. What he did do, and I think this is such bogus crap that McVay did this. McVay told all of his coaches, hey, if you want to go out and look for a job somewhere else, go ahead. You know, I'm not going to fight you. I'm not going to, I'm not going to make you stay if you don't want to be here kind of thing. Basically, said all of his coaches, you can be free agents if you want to be. Go look around. If you don't, come back. I'll say to the Rams, hey, um, we are, uh, we're going to stay, we're, I'm going to stay here for another year or another couple of years. He has not given any kind of commitment to them. He has basically said to his coaching staff, though, go find something if you want it. If not, come back, you'll have a job here. They've already lost their OC. He went to Kentucky. But I think it's a weak move by McVay to do something like this without giving a commitment to the Rams. The Rams need to make sure that they get an answer from McVay like ASAP. Because if McVeigh is going to wait, strip the coaching staff completely, and then say, you know what, I don't want to be here, that's that's bullshit as far as I'm concerned. McVeigh needs to make commitment one to the other. McVeigh should not have the right to tell his coaching staff, go wherever you want. I don't care if you stay. I don't care if you come back. Whatever you want to do, I'm not sure what I'm doing yet. This tells me McVeigh is probably leaving, and he needs to just tell the Rams. He owes that to the Rams to say, look, 
I'm in, I'm not in. But whatever it is, he's got to tell them something because the it's it's um, disrespectful to the Rams. It's disrespectful to the players, if you think about this, because if he drags his feet on this, and if the there's a huge upheaval in the coaching staff while McVay is still making up his mind, and then McVay says, you know what? Eh, I think I'm going to walk away for a year. That could essentially waste the Rams' season before it even starts. We're not sure on Stafford's status. Aaron Donald's a year older. They still don't have a great running game. They need Cooper Cup to come back. But the only things around it, and he, what he's doing is he's messing with next year. He's messing with a year for these guys. NFL careers are short. Breaking news. The shelf life is not that long for NFL players. Anytime you waste a player's years selfishly, that pisses me off. And it, it should bother the players as well. Um, I, I think the Browns this year, the way they handled the situation um, with Deshaun Watson, the way they handled their, their – they, they wasted a year of Nick Chubb, wasted a year of Miles Garrett. They both got more years left. I got it. Aaron Donald doesn't have a lot of great years left. Neither does Matthew Stafford. They're both getting up there in years. So it's critical. And I think it's imperative that McVay makes a decision out of respect for his players, out of respect for the organization, make a decision. I don't care what it is. If he says yes, great. Let's start working on building the 2023 roster and let's look what we're going to do. If it's no, fine. Give me, give us plenty of time to interview. Maybe we want to interview Sean Payton. Maybe we want to talk to um, Jared Mayo. Maybe, maybe there's people out there we want to talk to to maybe come on board and take over this job. Maybe we want to talk to Jim Harbaugh. But make a decision. McVeigh needs to do that. He owes it to this organization, and he, even more so, he owes it to the players. And it's going to look really crappy on him if he does if he somehow screws up the season because he's dragging his feet on it. Uh, the NFL draft order finalized. We talked about this on the last one about the fact that uh, Lovey Smith decided to go for two and completely screwed over the the Texans franchise because now they've got the number two pick overall, and the Bears could trade this pick to a team, uh, number one overall pick to a team that. Uh, is looking to get a quarterback. But a report came out that the the Bears, the general manager basically said he did not fully endorse Justin Fields, who had a decent year this year, but he did say we have to be blown away with the quarterback to take him number one overall, leaving the window open for such a thing. Justin Fields for the Bears um, would have set a single-season quarterback rushing record if he didn't have to miss the last game of the season. But because of injury, he had to miss the last game of the season. So, um he did not pass the ball great. Then again, didn't have a lot of great weapons. Offensive line was, eh. I think Fields deserves more time. I understand the logic behind maybe trying to trade Justin Fields and recoup other assets or trade the number one pick and recoup other assets. I think that the fair thing to do for Justin Fields would be to trade this pick, move back, and uh, get other assets and then use some of your free agency money, go out there and get a wide receiver and improve the offensive line and make it so Fields is more set up for success. If they want to trade Fields and they want to get assets and get another quarterback who's not uh, two years in on his um, rookie deal, I get that also. There's a certain a certain strategy part of this where if you say, okay, you know, Fields has already played two years. He's only got a couple years left on his rookie contract where you have to make a decision on the fifth year. Let's dump him now and let's bring in somebody else and reset the clock. And, um, you know, like the Bengals with Joe Burrow, they were helped incredibly by having Burrow on a rookie deal. That helps them out, helps the team out when they can do that. When Mahomes was on a rookie deal, huge. Jalen Hurts on a rookie deal. 
Huge. Those are big um, advantages for teams if they have a competent quarterback on a rookie deal. So if the Bears are sold on somebody, at quarterback, if they say, if they decide this is our guy, they should absolutely move Justin Fields and try to get other assets, but they need to make a decision sooner rather than later um, because the longer you wait, I think the the more or the less value you get for Justin Fields. I don't think it's beyond the realm of possibility that the Bears do draft a quarterback in this. And I think it's uh, it's quite possible that the Bears will consider that. If they don't take a quarterback, though, they should absolutely try to get the bounty and move back, get multiple picks, future picks, get a get a one this year, one next year. Don't move back too far. I think teams like the – there's a lot of teams out there, uh, the Colts, the Raiders, that that want to move up and, and get a quarterback. And if the Colts and Raiders are sold on somebody, the Colts have said they're not going to pursue uh, Derek Carr. But if they want to do something like that, then there's enough suitors to where the Bears can drive the bidding up and really get a lot um, for that number one pick overall. Speaking of uh, Derek Carr, he got screwed over royally by the Raiders. He put out a a nice tweet, uh, a nice like farewell message to Raider Nation. And, you know, he departs. He's departing as the uh, most passing yards all time by a Raider and most passing yards in a season by a Raider. And um, he, he was not the problem this season. And he's been nothing but loyal to the Raiders. Signed to a big deal right now. And the Raiders said they're going to work with him on a trade. No one's going to trade for him. No one is going to trade for Derek Carr. It's not going to happen because of the cap hit coming up the next few years. And they're going to wait for the Raiders' release, which they're going to have to do. And then somebody will take him. And I wondered about this. I've criticized the Browns a lot for their decision to pursue Deshaun Watson to do what they did and, and cast Baker Mayfield aside. And just think about how this different this could be for the Browns. If the Browns had said, uh, you know, we're going to get Baker Mayfield another year and let Baker Mayfield be their quarterback this year in 2022, I still think they missed the playoffs. I still think they missed the playoffs, no doubt about it. But then if they could say, they've got all these picks, they have a lot of picks to get to Sean Watson. Let's say then they say, okay, Baker, we're releasing you. What options are out there? If they have a crappy year, they're picking up near the top of the first round. They might be able to draft the quarterback of the future there. Think about that. Uh, with Mayfield there versus Watson and, um, uh, you know, if, if it's Cody Brissett playing as well as he did, let's say Baker go, went out there and performed poorly for the Browns. The Browns would have a top pick, a top five, top ten pick in this draft and could move up. Or they could pursue Derek Carr in free agency. I'd much rather have Derek Carr and all those picks and all that cap space versus having Deshaun Watson and the huge guaranteed contract and everything, all the drama that came with him, all the baggage, and still miss the playoffs and not have a first round pick and not it, it, all the things they gave up first round pick last year, first round pick this year. There's too many things they gave up for Deshaun Watson. They could have gotten Derek Carr a lot cheaper. And I think he would have been just as good, if not better, a fit for the Cleveland Browns going forward. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see more about this Browns. I know they fired their offensive coordinator now and they've got to. Um, they got to make changes there and we'll see how much of a role Deshaun Watson plays and bring somebody in. I did not see the old Deshaun Watson this year. I know it's been a couple years since he played, but I did not see any real mm, evidence that Deshaun Watson has, uh, you know, kind of what he had before, um, before the, the, all the staff and the fact he had to sit out all that time. Hey, remember Deshaun Watson, by the way, he had to play, he, he wanted to play a big role in, um, in the hiring of Houston's head 
coach was gone after one year. Uh, he got he got butthurt over that, and then was upset that they, they didn't consult him at all on that. He thought he should be consulted on that. We'll see how much the Browns let him get involved with the situation as far as offensive coordinator goes um, in Cleveland. All right, uh, let's move on to college basketball. And John Calipari, he is first of all, I, I think the guy's shady. Let me put it that way. I've never, I've always everywhere he's gone. There's been uh, as far as the college goes, he went to UMass, a lot of success there. Marcus Camby went to an NCAA championship game. He leaves. All these different things come out afterwards that they end up punishing the program for. Same thing at Memphis. Goes to Memphis, does very well there. Things come out after he leaves. Um, and now he's at Kentucky. He wasn't a very good NBA coach, too, by the way. But And he was the first coach to really, like, embrace the one-and-done concept. And he saw this as the opportunity to – recruit players knowing they'd be gone after a year. And his whole thing was, I just want to make sure that I'm, he, he would tell kids this, you know, my job is to get to the NBA. And he loves talking about how much money uh, and contracts is played. And they've done very well for themselves. He's put a lot of really good players in the NBA uh, after one and done. And so that's all been positive for the players, uh, the program, because they're constantly, restocking the roster with new talent. They don't have time to mesh. And usually, I mean, they'll, they'll have some cupcake wins early in the season. They'll get the tournament with a great record, but they usually don't fare that well in the tournament because they don't have these guys that have played together that much or that long because you have so much one-and-done turnover, so much of that going on. And now, Calipari, a couple years ago, uh, the COVID year, they were under 500. Last year, they got beaten the first round by St. Peter's in the NCAA tournament. And now this year, they're off to like a 10 and six start and they got blown out in their losses. They're losing to teams that they would never lose to before. It got to the point where in Lexington the other night, Calipari got booed by the fans. Someone held a sign up that said, um, you know, like some of the effect of Calipari go to Texas and they, the arena people ended up taking the sign down. I think they may have removed the, the fan who did that also. If I'm John, John Calipari, he's got a lifetime contract, by the way, in Kentucky. So he can stay there as long as he wants. If they fired, they owe him a huge buyout, but he could stay as long as he wants. If I'm John Calipari, I say, you know what? Screw this. And I would call Texas and say, how much will you pay me to come down there? And um, I, I think Calipari's shtick's the wrong word. Calipari's um, I think he's had run at Kentucky games of the tournament last year. This happened. It's because they had a bad season the COVID year. Uh, you know, then they lose in the first round to say it's been a while since they won an NCAA tournament game now. So that's where the all the venom is coming from, um, from Big Blue Nation there. So I think if I'm Calipari, I would seriously consider calling Texas and saying, I need this. Offer me this money. I think Texas comes up with it and takes him in a heartbeat after they fired Chris Beard for what just happened with him. And I think it'd be a, a smart move for Texas and probably a smart move for Calipari. Oh, by the way. Uh, in a couple of years, Texas joins the SEC, and he will get a chance to play in Lexington. Their coach against Lex in Lexington every year, so uh, depending on the schedule, I guess maybe not every year, but often. So I, I think that's what Calipari should do. I think that if it, but when you go to Kentucky fans now, I ask Kentucky fans, and I've asked the same thing of Michigan fans and of Ohio State football of Michigan football fans, Ohio State football fans, when fans have said, you know, get rid of Ryan Day, get rid of Jim Harbaugh, all these times. My question to you is, who will you get that's better? Who could Kentucky hire that's better than what John Calipari is? Because I don't think there's many guys out there they, that they could do it with. Kentucky's had a lot of bad hirings in basketball. I shouldn't say a lot. 
several over the years, though, that have set the program back till Calipari came back. So uh, N- Nebraska football, same kind of thing. They got, got rid of Frank after he was in success, and they have not gotten back to that point. Whenever you got to be very careful if you decide to move on or force a coach out. And if Calipari decides to leave, that we don't, you, there's an unknown of what Kentucky would get next because they haven't always had great basketball coaches. They've always had high demands for basketball, but not always great basketball coaches. So if Calipari does up and leave, if he says, I'm fed up with this crap, I don't deserve this from the fans and goes somewhere else, I'm telling you, Texas would be great to have him. And I'm not sure Kentucky might get set back drastically. Look at what happened to Louisville after they got rid of, had to lose Rick Pitino. Granted, his own doing, but look where Louisville's at now also. Um, and I can see Kentucky slipping back into that kind of abyss to where it takes a lot to pull out of it. Speaking of college basketball, crazy mediocrity this year. And it's it, it's going to set up for a fun NCAA tournament. I have no idea who the best team in the country is. And usually at this point, we have an idea of who it is. But it, it, you can use it down to one or two teams. This year, though, I have no idea who it is. It could very well be Houston. Um, it could be Kansas. I don't know. It, you know, it could be Purdue. I, I have no confidence. If you told me I could pick any three teams, any four teams, to win the championship, and I would take those and you would take the field, I would not want to be on my side of that bet because I think there's 20 teams that could win this NCAA tournament this year. It's going to make for a good tournament. There's going to be a lot of upsets, and just because you're a number one seed doesn't mean you get a one of four this year. It's going on this being what it is. Um, and the, the one and dones, there is so much turnover, so much uncertainty in college basketball that it's hard telling which teams are going to be the best and cutting down the nets um, come that first weekend in April. Okay. Uh, nothing I want to get to here about baseball. And this year, in all 30 minor AAA minor league baseball parks, there's 30 AAA minor league teams, and all 30, they're going to use the electronic strike zone. Um, there's a couple different ways they're going to do it. In like half the games, it's going to be just that's the call. In the other half, it's going to be you, there's a challenge system in place, kind of like what they do in tennis where you can challenge a call. I think you get like uh, I don't know, two or three challenges a game. And if you get the right, you don't lose a challenge. If you get it wrong, you lose a challenge. But there's going to be that going on. And – I'm interested to see how this will work with AAA baseball. I've got AAA baseball stadium, uh, downtown Columbus here. I'm going to go check it out there and see. I think it is – I'm okay with doing this. And the reason being is it it will absolutely give you consistency across the board on strikes. Now, that used to not be a huge issue in baseball. A lot of the times because as a fan – you didn't have access to a lot of baseball games and you didn't have access to these different cameras and different graphics you put up there to see where the strike gets called. But different umpires had different strike zones, different leagues had different strike zones, and it became more apparent that there was a lot of inconsistency once we got better graphically and better with cameras to see how many umpires were really missing calls. So I'm hoping this takes that out of it. Um, it will change a lot of uh, what what a catcher does and I don't know how the umpire will be positioned. Like, will the umpire still be there to call safe and out at home? I got to believe he's going to be. He'll still be right behind the catcher. He just won't be able to help to call like check swings and, you know, if it's a check swing or if it's a, um, a uh, you know, appeal down to the first base 
uh, first base umpire and whatever, but you'll still have that kind of stuff going on. But um, it will change the way a catcher operates in a game because you always had that thing with a catcher trying to frame a pitch, you know, and uh, to try to get an umpire's um, favor in something like that. That's all gone by the wayside now. That won't happen in AAA. I think this will going into the Major League Baseball rules as well coming up uh, very soon. But uh, they did it the Independent uh, Atlantic League. I'm looking forward to seeing how this affects baseball. And look, baseball purists, I used to be one. I am now all about getting the calls right and get the game over in less than three hours. Let's do these things. The, having the pitch clock now is going to fix some of that. Um, having the Limiting the number of times a pitcher can throw over to first, that will also impact that. Uh, and I think that eventually this gets to the major league level. It will also have a positive effect on the baseball that I want to see selfishly. Yes, I get it. And I've got friends of mine that have been baseball fans for 40 years, and they hate all of these kinds of changes. I'm okay with it. I want to see a cleaner game with the right calls, a more compact game, get it over with. That's what I want to see. Get it over sounds bad, but what I mean is I enjoy watching baseball. I just don't enjoy watching three-and-a-half-hour games. Uh, I'd like to keep it a little tighter, hoping the pitch clock will also play a big role in that as well. All right, one final note here, college football. Uh, Clemson's fired their offensive coordinator, Brandon Streeter. And he's only the job for one year. Um, He replaced Brent Venables, who went to Oklahoma to be their head coach. But they fired Streeter after one year, Brandon Streeter. And uh, Dabo Sweeney, who always, you know, he said, look, I got to look out for the long term of the program kind of thing. And said we need to decide we had to make a change. Um, Streeter's been in the program for a long time. And we're not sure where Clemson will go after this. Uh, There's talk that Clemson's is going after TCU. This is according to uh, Garrett Riley of Sports Illustrated that Clemson wants TCU's offensive coordinator. I'm sorry. They want Garrett Riley, according to Sports Illustrated. There, I got that right. They want Garrett Riley, the TCU offensive coordinator, Broyles were a winner. Um, that's according to Sports Illustrated to come on board. I got to believe Dabo thinks that's a real possibility or he wouldn't have made this move this quickly with Streeter. He must really think that he can get him. So I, I think there's probably a very likely chance that Garrett Riley goes to Clemson. All that being said, I feel like Clemson's on a downward spiral right now. Not a vicious one where they're going to win like five games next year. I just think we're at a point now where, um, you know, for a long time, it was considered Clemson and Alabama uh, battling for which team is the best. Georgia got into the mix, Ohio State in the mix a little bit in there. But I think Clemson's now falling off. Clemson's now in that second tier to me, uh, below Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, Michigan, probably USC, I think Georgia's below all of those. I'm sorry, Clemson's below all of those now. So uh, we'll see what happens. Like I said, Garrett Riley, TCU had a great year this year. I think he's going to try to cash in on that and, uh, you know, maybe uh, head up to Clemson and see if he can make a difference there in the ACC. But that's it for today's Jeff Fitoff Show. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Fit Happens. Follow us on FanStream Sports, powered by the DSP Media Network. That's it for today. Thanks so much. Have a great day.